Well, it's a new year, and it's time for a new show for The Multipod. So welcome back, everybody, to our podcast here as part of the Puttyverse. And my name's Ted, and I'll be your host today. And I'm very pleased to be joined by a special guest, Lisa, with the first letter of her name is actually R. And (laughs) part of her identity and our topic today, which is talking about third culture kids. It's a fascinating topic, something that I kind of heard a bit about before, but Lisa is really going to help explain not just what it is, but the experience of identifying as a third culture kid, which uh, essentially is someone who grew up in a culture, probably language, that was different from that of their parents, as far as I understand. How does that sound, Lisa? Yes, it sounds perfect. It's <laughs> it's during their developmental years. So yes. uh, from their birth to 18 years old, they lived in a yeah culture separate from their parents' culture. Okay. So yeah, you can tell already, this is a really interesting topic for anyone who's interested in in different cultures, of course, travel, languages, um, and, you know, kind of piecing it all together. So I'm excited, and Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So today, you're we're talking to you from uh, Washington State, I gather, is where you live nowadays. Yes. Uh, how long have you been in that neck of the woods? It's funny because um, I lived here when I was a child, so when I was like around four to six years old, and mm. then I've been back since, well, I was back here in Washington State on the east side for college, uh, so mm. four years back in 2003 to 2007, and then I worked in downtown Seattle for about six, seven years, and then I moved to New Mexico, and then I went back to North Seattle, so on Woodby Island, Oak Harbor, okay, and lived yeah. there for two years. And now I've been, I'm back in Newcastle, Washington, and I've been here for about three years now. Uh, what brought you to the Putty First? Um, I think you joined about well, a few months ago. How did you find the group? I found it through um, Emily's TED Talk, uh, just <laughs> researching and, you know, just under, like, curious about what is this about? And I dig deeper and I, I found Putty Like first and then just read some blogs and, and then found Puttyverse and then that they were having a scholarship opportunity. So I said, hmm. sure, why not? I'll try it. I give it a shot. And here I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, is multipotentiality. Now we often ask this of uh, people come on the show and so on. Uh, it's usually a fairly new term to each of us, but at least the concept, was it something that you perhaps identified with going back years, perhaps as a child that, you know, you're someone with lots of different interests and it was hard to choose that one path and stuff like that? For sure, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, Emily's talk definitely gave a term to everything that I've already been through already. And uh, very similarly, that was how my TCK finding uh, bloomed as well. Um, I learned the term in my undergrad studies. Um, and when I read that term, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I am or, you know, who I am and uh, explains the theories behind it and uh, etc. So 
I think the same happened with me with multipotentialite, just the idea of it. It's always stuck with me. I've had it since I was little. Um, But then just to put a framework around it really opened my eyes and trying to figure out, you know, my place in in the multipotentialite framework. Mm -hmm. That's great. So next question, how many tabs do you have open right now? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right now, right now, five. Uh, but oh, I'm on my well. other tablet, so the other one <laughs> probably has like 52, as I remember from last <laughs> night. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Do you think? Well, there's probably I know a lot of people talk about that joke about in the in the community. There's a link between the number of tabs you have and you know how many things are kind of floating through your brain at any one moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. I try to. Um, keep it simple for today <laughs> but right. I know um, when I'm researching things I try to get it from multiple perspectives so I have really tons of tabs and I just go you know one by one uh, eliminating and um, right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well let's get into your background now you were born in Japan right yes mm-hmm. so konnichiwa konnichiwa <laughs> Uh, now, but that was really like you were super young. You said something like you're eight months old, yes. and that was the first time you moved to Brazil, right? Brazil, yes, yeah. And then from there it was on to like the United States, and then on to Mexico, and I guess back to the United States after that. So, um, it's hard to kind of imagine that you would embrace or be absorbed in any one culture if you've moved so much, right? So, I'm wondering. Well, here's one thing: is that you, I'm, I was reading an article. You, you had a great article that was written a few years ago, but we'll share it again. That kind of explains the whole concept and everything, and, and your experience of it, and how it's a struggle to answer that simple question. Supposedly, uh, where are you from? Right. Yeah. Right. And now that article was written like eight years ago. Has there been any change in your perspective since then? Um. Uh, yes and no. Um, so I think it's not as hard to answer because I've kind of set my own definition of what home or where home could be. Um, I still have kind of my struggles of where I want to call it home. (laughs) Mm. If that makes sense. Um, back in the day when I was little, home used to be where my parents lived. So wherever they are stationed, you know, that's where I called home. But after moving to New Mexico and spending about three years there, for some odd feeling, um, I really felt that I could root myself there. And it was the first time in my whole life that I felt about any place like that. So then, you know, I started pondering like, okay, can my, can New Mexico be my home home? Um, and I don't have any house there or anything of that nature, but it's, it was the first time that I really felt like it's a place that I can, uh, ground myself, um, mm. and really explore who I am and, uh, the cultures around me as well. So uh, do you still feel that way nowadays, even though you live basically around Seattle? Yes, actually. Uh, I'm okay. actually, um, because this is my first podcast experience, um, <laughs> uh, somehow I, I'm wearing um, a New Mexico sweatshirt right now. So it's it's kind of like, you know, again, bringing 
groundedness okay. to me. Uh, and it, it makes it seem like, you know, I am who I am and, um, I, I have New Mexico to thank for that. So yes, hmm. for, for now, I do still want to go back to New Mexico somehow. And I still keep in touch with my New Mexico, uh, people, my support network there. So yeah, I, I, I hope one day I can kind of figure out, you know, if that's like bring, uh, having a business there or having a home there. I don't know how it'll turn out, but definitely New Mexico is where I, I currently call home. I, it's interesting to think that like one inference might be that, you know, if you were, if your parents are Japanese, did you ever feel that Japan was home, even though you lived there for like eight months, but did you ever feel like that was supposed to be home? Supposed to be home? Yes and no, uh, depending mm. on who was telling me that um (laughs) (laughs) like my grandparents you know they always said um when are you coming back to japan when are you studying in japan Uh, etc etc but my parents were never um that type of person they said study wherever you want you know it doesn't have to be japan um (laughs) my mom was always the one that wanted to return to Japan. My dad, on the other hand, was, I believe, a TCK himself. So, but I don't know if he knows that. <laughs> uh, but he, um, he traveled when he was younger. So I think his background really, um, influenced mine in the sense that, you know, he knew, like, you, you don't have to stick in one place to go to school or study mm-hmm. things. So, um, so growing up with that, um, I never really, thought I had to call Japan home, but I, there was some kind of weird, um, connection for me because Japan is my passport country. Uh, however, I've never lived there. (laughs) I I speak the language and I could read somewhat, but, um, yeah, I've never lived there. So it's hard to, you know, say, so are you really a citizen of Japan? Well, that's hard for me to answer. You know, it's yes and no. A lot of people ask me, so why don't you get a U.S. citizenship then? And then it's just, you know, and then it's, I think it's another layer of this TCK-ness of like, do you want to cut ties entirely? Um, Because I do feel like Japan is a part of my identity. I just don't know if I necessarily belong in Japan, just because I've lived apart from Japan for so many of my my life. I think, you know, that shared experience and feelings is something um, very common in the TCK world where it doesn't really matter, you know, which countries you had to move to or uh, where you lived or, um, uh, or let's say like what schools you went to local or private or, you know, international. Um, mm-hmm. It's, there's some kind of an overlaps all the time when we're talking about shared experience. It's like once I meet someone that has kind of gone through the same, some, or similar experience, I'm just like, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? And it, yeah, it's it, a common bond. Yeah, it's it's weird because you go to a TCK conference and it's like you you've never met that person before, but but th- by them sharing your their story and if you have something very similar, it's like you've known them for years. Is it something people struggle with, or is it kind of something that they embrace, like it, they're proud of? to have that have had that experience and it's such a I know there's a lot of people who have had it just by virtue of their parents and so on but there's relatively few I suppose who have been able to grow up that kind of way most of us basically grow up 
where we're born or close by, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a fairly unique thing. Right. Is it a bit of a badge of honor or is it still, is there a real an element of struggle with it as well? I think there's a mix of both. You know, um, back in the day when I was researching it, TCK was an, a term that not a lot of people even knew that they were TCKs. And so I think throughout the years, research has really grown and um, it's been interesting and really rewarding to see what kind of research uh, topics are out there. Um, mm. I remember with for my thesis, I did um, the coming of age ceremony in Japan and how that affects Japanese people living abroad. And I remember, you know, trying to do a, a study on that, but I could only we didn't have you know that great of a technology per se back then. So I had to rely on just the Japanese folks that were on campus and only was able to do like a really small sample. But then like nowadays, I just participated in a research done in San Diego, you know, throwing out um, survey monkey lists and um, just, you know, the the grand scheme of how you can find TCKs in the internet world and especially in groups, you know, in, on Facebook and just being able to find um research participants in that regards, I think it's mind blowing because, mm-hmm. you know, with internet, you can reach anybody from anybody, any part of the world. So I could see yeah. how research has, can grow tremendously during this age. And I, I'm excited to see, you know, what, how that leads to different researches and help and resources for, uh, for younger kids, you know, going through this. In, in what sense is it defined? Like, do you have to start very young, like say under under two years old, when you're just kind of learning a language, or can you essentially become a, a TCK as a teenager? The definition is anybody who has lived away from their parents' culture during their developmental years. So let's say mm. that was age sixteen, and then they may have. I mean, it would be really close, but if they moved from one country to another within the two-year span, sure, that would be considered TCK. There are terms like adult TCKs where after 18 years of age, they, you know, had to migrate to another country or they wanted to explore another part of the world and move there and kind of, you know, had to transition through. I mean, those are options that uh, people make every day and those people are called adult TCKs. Well, given that culture, the word culture is part of the definition, like, is it is it fair to say that a defining characteristic is being, well, let's say, is speaking one language and embracing one culture at home with your family, but then as soon as you step outside the door, you're into a different language? Is that is that kind of the gist of it, in the sense that you have to at least make the effort, you're kind of forced to probably through school or work and other things, community, you're forced to learn a new language and the culture that comes with it simply to function, simply to be able to, you know, work and do stuff, right? So if, in other words, you're, because you're forced to that, you, you have to, you have to learn it. But then as soon as you go home, you go back to the culture that is more at ease with your family, with your immediate family. So is right. that, you kind of have to have that experience to be considered TCK? I don't know if that's necessarily the case, uh, because I do know people that were in situations where, um, so for, for example, for me, I learned Japanese at home. 
with my mom. Right. My mom did not speak in English to me. It was only in Japanese. So I didn't really have a choice. Uh, you know, I learned English outside of the, outside of my house. So I sometimes felt like, why is it that I have to learn Japanese when I come home? Right. And why can't I speak in English? Right. But it was my mom's kind of way of teaching me, my sister and I the Japanese language because yeah, we weren't going to get it anywhere it. else. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was also quote unquote forced to go to Japanese schools <laughs> on Saturdays. Right. Because I, on Friday nights when people were like, I'm going to go to the park, I had to stay home and do homework because <laughs> I had school the next day. Um, I never understood why I had to do that. Uh, but you know, hindsight, it was great because I now can speak three languages because of that. Other people, I've, I've known people that didn't get to learn their native language at home and they kept it, you know, English or whatever other language it was. So again, have to is hard, but I think it, with that comes, you know, something that you're losing versus something that you're gaining all the time, right? Cause、uh, the coin has two sides all the time. So, you know, for me, what if, I, w- I didn't learn Japanese at home. What, what would life have been like, you know? And it's hard for me to imagine now going back to this idea of TCKness. It's, I think one thing I can say about a lot of the friends that I have in, in common with that who are TCKs is just the idea of, you know, the, the sense of belonging is very missing. And it's、mm. hard for us to, f- to pinpoint, you know, which countries do we really belong because We're, we're such a mixture of all. And, you know, a lot of people do go home to their passport country and really try to embrace that.、Um, so, kind of going back to your previous question, lately I have been wondering, you know, maybe it is time for me to go to Japan and like work there, live there for more than three months because that's the longest that I've ever stayed there,、yeah. <laughs> um, which was during like summer breaks. Um, so maybe that could be an option in the future, or maybe even,、um, get a remote job within a, a corporate Japanese culture. Do you think that language is by definition a, a part of the identity? Like, I'm thinking, I, I think that what we've kind of、uh, figured out here, and obviously you and your friends have been talking about this for years, but it's, it, if anything, it's a question of belonging. Right. Right. So、mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, if you were, say, American, let's say, and your parents up and moved to England and, and you were young, I don't know, five years old or something, and you spent then the next, say, seven years living in England, well, it's the same language and it's a fairly similar culture. I, from what I've been learning now, I would say if you choose to, you could certainly still identify as a third culture kid because you've been uprooted and、mm-hmm. it is a different place, different country and、mm-hmm. different norms and stuff like that. So, In a sense, is it, is it a personal choice to embrace that identity and probably stemming from a lack of belonging? If that was your, your situation where you've, you've changed countries, but it's otherwise the same language and a pretty similar,、uh, culture, but you still feel,、um, like you've lost,、uh, you don't have that anchor that other people have when they don't,、uh, they don't move so much when they're young. I mean, even within the states, like East Coast, West Coast, we have our different cultures within even, even the United States alone. So, I, yeah, I definitely,、um, 
feel like some people may, you know, strive on that and, and love it. And, and I could see how others, um, it may be the first time that they're seeing themselves from a different perspective, from a different lens. And it may be a struggle to kind of be able to fit in, so, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe the, the difference, if it's a completely different language and culture, it would stand out more. I mean, you have to learn the language for starters. Right. You're going to school with probably 95% of the kids who grew up there and speak that language as a local and so on. So the, it's quite a stark difference as mm-hmm. opposed to you're American, you go to Australia, you go to England or whatever, and like you, you can integrate a bit easier because you can understand them. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and of course, there's going to be dialects and, you know, accents and all that. I think for me, I just never had that experience because I went from Japan to Portuguese to English to Spanish and then back to Japanese. So that's another question. Did is there any lingering Brazilian and Portuguese language influence in? I don't know, your approach to life or kind of your feeling of TCK? Do you speak a bit of Portuguese? Do you, do you still have kind of a vivid, uh, is there still vivid impact from those years on your life now? I think so. Um, I think, I mean, I was fairly young, so four yeah. or five years old. Um, but, you know, I had a nanny and I remember, um, having experience on the weekend to go visit her family. Uh, so the idea that, you know, I didn't understand the concept of someone making a living by living with another family to, to, you know, uh, bring an income to their family. Portuguese, um, I completely lost it when I moved to the Seattle, uh, cause I had to learn English and Japanese at the same time. Um, but I do, I mean, and I went back to Mexico and learned Spanish. So I feel like I could get a sense of what Portuguese is, but I'd have to like probably go back to Duolingo and learn Portuguese again to really refresh my memory. So how has being a TCK impacted your career choices in the kind of jobs that you've pursued? Sure. I've been in higher ed for most of my career. And currently, I'm in kind of a transitional phase of trying to figure out what my next field is. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like education will always be a part of me because I just, this I, this learning realm and trying to understand things from different perspectives and the cultural differences has always been a part of me as a TCK. So I really want to kind of integrate that into what I do. I've been, I've, I've done it uh, through higher ed settings where I teach you know, my students, the, the power of seeing things from different perspectives, um, and that culture piece of, um, and also how that relates to yourself, uh, the, or the, the relation between self, society, and identity. How, um, even if we kind of touched on this earlier, but, um, just the idea that you don't have to go to a, necessarily to another country to realize your own culture. Um, you mm-hmm. could, you know, an experience that I used to tell is, have you ever been on a local bus to go on a transportation, right? And a lot of my, my students have cars on their own, et cetera. And I said, have you ridden public transportation in Seattle? And they're like, 
you know, some say yes, some say no. And I'm like, give that a try one day. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really easy, but see what, how that is like. And that's, if that's a totally new experience for you, you're going to learn a lot about who you are by just doing simple things like that. Or if not, um, you know, go to a, a city in Washington state that you have never been to. Right. It's a, it's a different cultural experience. You're going to learn things that you may have never known about Washington state before and about, you know, how you interact with people that you don't know. <laughs> and it could be within the United States, uh, just, you know, going from Washington to, let's say, New York or California or Texas. Um, or it could be as simple as doing something, uh, unknown to you, right? Whether that's public transportation or, um, you know, going to church, maybe you're, you're not religious, you know, going to a mosque, even um, just anything that is out of your box, I would say, uh, to see a different light of things, right? Different perspective, putting yourself into a different um, shoes, it's it's such a universal thing that I think anybody it does, they don't have to grow up as a TCK to to put themselves in that situations and I feel like um, I've I've gained so much for, from doing that that I try to tell my students or I've told my students you know try to experience things that you're afraid of right because who knows what you're going to learn in that how has your upbringing influenced your approach and your mindset towards travel itself. Yeah, so I can't stay in one place for a long time because uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I need to see the world or see a different perspective again. So um, the longest I stayed in one place is uh, Mexico City for eight years. But That's pretty long. Yeah, it's, it's pretty long. But then again, like, you know, I've been here in Washington State collectively for over, like, what 12 13 more years and that's mm. that says things in itself but i'm very antsy to get out of washington right now so <laughs> like like i think for me i'll always have that spirit of wanting to explore the unknown and um i love the idea of having a remote job and not having a place that i could you know, ground myself in one location, but I could be like a digital nomad where I could be yeah. traveling anywhere and doing the job that, you know, from a computer. That's definitely something that has been on my mind lately. And I hope I could find a way to do that. That speaks to me. But, you know, the pandemic definitely made me kind of reimagine travel as well of, um, exploring different cultures through zoom through different screens of doing virtual tours or just speaking to different people from different countries and learning from that so i think cool. travel has definitely morphed into something some bigger things for me uh, last year and i'm curious to kind of figure out how it'll play out, you know, as, as the seer unfolds. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely have an itching to go to somewhere that I haven't been to <laughs> yet because that's definitely a part of who I am. That's neat. Cause I mean, the opposite, I guess, perspective could be that if you moved around so much when you were little, when you finally found some place that you wanted to stay, then you stayed and like you were sick of travel and the <laughs> thought of going to another airport, just like, you know, <laughs> out. so, 
I wonder how many TCKs feel that. I, I watched a little video. We'll share this too about um, people answering that question. You know, where are you where from, from? And, uh, and that stuff. It was a really neat little video, about nine minutes, and and how one common joke, of course, is that you've been in a lot of airports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think. I mean, you're a good example, and maybe others that you know. The more you travel, the more you want to travel. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people might maybe resonate with that. I feel the same way. The more once I started to travel years ago, and you know, it makes you want to do more. Mm-hmm. And if you're really passionate about it, you'll make it happen. Right. So it, it's a it's a distinct way to to grow up for sure. It's a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel myself like traveling vicariously through you, just learning about your journey and your stories and all the places you've been. So that's exciting in and of itself and trying to imagine what it'd be like, you know, uprooting every few years to whole different countries and languages and cultures and all the rest. <laughs> it's it's kind of intimidating and overwhelming, but I mean, as kids, that's just it, right? As, you're, as a kid, you know, our, our brains are sponges and they mm-hmm. absorb so much. And I guess it's hard to really, it's hard to grasp for sure when you're young what's really happening right. to you, I guess, mm-hmm. right? And what it all means. And so it makes it interesting now for you and others as adults to, even if you call yourself third culture kids, most of you are adults now and you're reflecting on it. Right, and You're right. talking and discussing it, right? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting perspective in and of itself. It's kind of, you're still living it, but much of that happened in the past when you were little. That's Those are the formative, formative years. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, yeah, and it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's been interesting to kind of, you know, because just different things that it's it's so interesting because parents of TCKs or par- parents that are non-TCKs but are raising TCK children ask me questions like I'm an expert or something. And I'm just like, I can only say from my perspective, but, you know, what I didn't get from my parents growing up, I would kind of relate that story to them because parenting is to each their own. So for me, one of the best things that my parents asked me to do uh, when we moved from New York to Mexico City was they gave us an option of what school we wanted to go to. So it was one option was a Japanese English bilingual school or um, an English Spanish bilingual school. So it was rather, it was more like, do you want to keep continuing Japanese or do you want to learn a completely different language? But English still has that common uh, theme. And so my sister and I both opted to go to the English, Spanish, Portuguese, and not the Japanese English school. <laughs> um, and that worked out great for us. But I know friends that went the opposite way and that worked for them as well. So I think it's just, you know, I for me, it was really having that choice, right? Even as a kid yeah. to go to know which school to go to, because that was going to shape who I was going to be within the eight year span. So for me, you know, having to learn Spanish wasn't a a burden. I mean, I was excited to learn Spanish. And so, I mean, I think from a young age, I knew I wasn't going to want to go to a Japanese college per se. I knew I wanted to go back to the United States for my college education. And that's why I said, you know, I'd rather go the route of the English Spanish rather than the Japanese English. But, you know, for other kids uh, that had a really strong Japanese influence, they opted for the Japanese English uh, school so that they can, they can apply to colleges back in Japan. Were they less concerned about having to learn Spanish then? I mean, I'm sure they had to learn Spanish as a foreign language in that school. Right. Uh, for me, it's weird because I took courses in college 
about Japan uh, to kind of um, refresh my language skills um, in a professional setting. Um, it, but it turned out that my Japanese skills was way above the college courses. So then I became a TA instead. <laughs> um, but just, you know, different things like that. I think to me, um, each parents have their own decisions for doing one way or the other. You know, as a kid, it's like, I never really got the full understanding of why you're learning another language at home. That's very separate from the outside world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been really fascinating to get to know your story and and learn more about this concept. It's kind of floated around through my life. I've seen it from time to time, but to really hear firsthand what it's like is a great opportunity. So I hope everyone listening has enjoyed. If anyone has any comments to share, I mean, we post these episodes on the forum in the Pottyverse and, you know, share your story as well. You can certainly respond just as a regular reply and share if you are a third culture kid as well or have any thoughts on it too. So it'd be a, an interesting discussion to get going. But in the meantime, uh, Lisa, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and we may see you again. We were chatting a bit about talking, uh, talking about food because we haven't done a food themed episode here in the multipod yet so that might be something to come in the future too we'll keep it in mind so hopefully we'll talk to you again thanks very much for coming on the show arigatou gozaimasu arigatou gozaimasu thank you so much for having me cheers <laughs>